circling the Disney create. Just make Never Hello, my friend, and welcome to the WW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World Information Station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 700. And together, as we have been since 2005, we're going to celebrate the magic of the Disney parks, movies, Marvel, Star Wars, and more here on the podcast, my weekly live video, events, blog, and more. Please be sure to join the community, subscribe to the podcast, and find everything else at www.radio.com. So I can't believe it, but here we are, still together after nearly 18 years, and that's show number 700. And this week, I listened to and answered you as I take your questions, and we look back on 700 shows and countless memories. Stay tuned for our Disney Trivia Question of the Week, where you can enter for a chance to win a Disney Prize package and more updates at the end of the show. And if you like what you hear, please share the show and tell a friend. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WW Radio Show. Welcome you to the very first episode of the WDW Radio Show. I want to tell you a little bit about what I have planned and what you can expect on future shows. First, let me tell you that the website for the new show can be found at wdwradio.com. There you're going to find show notes, links, a directory of past shows, when I get them up, the ability to listen to the show right from your web browser without having to download first, and links to the discussion forums at disneyworldtrivia.com where you can log on, interact, and talk about the show. This podcast is going to focus primarily on Walt Disney World and feature some of the topics that I talk about in the WDW radio show. I am your host, Lou Mangiello, and this, this is show number 100. And this is show number 200. And this is show number 300. And this is show number 400. And this is show number 500. And this is show number 600. Part of the fun of my Walt Disney World Wayback Machine, a live restaurant review, top 10 with Tim segment. So I want to welcome Ron Schneider to the WDW radio show. Disney legend, Alice Davis to the show. Please say bonjour to Paige O'Hara. Disney legend, Tony Baxter. Alan Menken, Dame Julie Andrews. And he is, of course, Marty Sklar, a man who needs no introduction. So it is my pleasure to welcome producer Don Hahn to the WDW radio show with what can only be described as the greatest job in the world, it is my pleasure to welcome Samantha Brown from the Travel Channel. And I can't tell you how thrilled I am to be here to tell you a few stories and sing some of the songs my brother Bob and I wrote. Disney legend Bob Gurr. 
Chief Disney Archivist Dave Smith. Dave, welcome to the show. This week, I sat down with Kevin Feige, president of Marvel Studios. He is former Disneyland and Walt Disney World cast member. More importantly, he is a Disney legend. He is Mr. Tom Nabby. Tom, welcome to the show. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, my friends, I present to you Disney legend Tony Baxter. And guiding him along that journey is the longtime voice of Winnie the Pooh and my guest, Jim Cummings. To be able to sit here now with the man who was and forever shall always be known as Darth Vader, uh, it really is a joy to be sitting with Mr. David Prowse. David, thank you for uh, coming on WW Radio. Thank you. He has played everything from a bear to a captain to an American president, and he is, of course, Mr. Pete Renaday. So today, it is my absolute honor to be able to chat with a true Disney legend and one of the brothers from that creative team that has changed the world with their music, Richard M. Sherman. And Mr. Sherman, I want to thank and welcome you to the WDW Radio Show. Oh, thank you. Great to be here and talking to you. And uh, I'm looking forward to whatever questions you're going to ask me. So shoot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeehaw! This is Bob Jackson from Walt Disney World's Port Orleans Riverside Resort. And you're listening to Lou Mangiello and the Walt Disney World Radio Show. Hi, this is Cindy Morgan, and you know me as Yori from Tron. And you're listening to Lou Mangiello on WDW Radio. Hi, this is Iron Chef Kat Cora, and you're listening to the WDW Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you're listening to WDW Radio on your internet dial. <laughs> this is Dave Barry and Ridley Pearson, and you're listening to WDW Radio. 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 This is the Dreamfinder, your unemployed host of the old journey into imagination. If you have any work, please get back to me. But in the meantime, you're listening to WDW Radio. As I started to approach show number 700, uh, not only was I in disbelief that we had even reached this milestone, but I started to wonder how to celebrate it with you. So I asked you. Um, I always said that the show is by, for, with, and about you. So I wanted to know from you what you thought we should do because I never would have thought when I started the new show on February 11th, 2007, Mouse Tunes, the first show I was on, was started in spring of 2005, ended on February 4th, 2007, and WWE Radio was born the next week. Um, Certainly when I started, I never thought that we would get to 700. I didn't know that I would make show number seven to be honest with you. Um, But I did ask you, and I received a number of suggestions, some of them more interesting than others, in the clubhouse as well as via email and private messages and Facebook posts. But a recurring theme that I kept on seeing uh, and hearing was that people wanted to sort of like turn the tables a little bit and have me be the interviewee rather than the interviewer. Uh, And a couple of people said, and I'm paraphrasing here, said, Mangello, I've got some questions for you. And that makes this so incredibly frightening for me on so many levels and wildly uncomfortable for oh so many reasons. I also thought it it could be fun. It also shows how much I trust you, so please be gentle. So since I I couldn't answer every question that every listener might have, I decided to invite members of the WDW Radio Nation family to join me on a live call, as well as take some questions 
from the community via the Clubhouse group on Facebook, or some people want to leave a voicemail. Um, so I invited the nation to a call, and this is what is going to happen. So here we go. What we're going to do is I'm going to call on you one by one. Feel free to chime in if and when necessary in no particular order. If you have a question, let's get to it. Uh, Ray, go ahead. Okay. I'm going to ask a couple questions that are probably right in your wheelhouse. So wait, quickly first, reintroduce uh, uh, we're, we're, we're yourself. We're straight to food. Wait, introduce yourself because I've known you for a long oh, time. I'm I've, sorry. This yeah. is Ray Kastner. Um, I currently live in Wisconsin, but I'm going to soon to be a Florida resident. Congratulations. And you're um, old school, we're right? Like, up a house. You go back to like forum days, right? Disney World Trivia forum yes. days. Yeah. I'm, I might be the most senior person <laughs> that's been with you as, as long as – and maybe anybody. So yeah, I've been I've been with you from pretty much the beginning. We're gonna go straight to food. What is your favorite restaurant in a park, theme park? So we're 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 throw, we're tossing out boathouse. We're taking that right off the table because we know that's what the answer is going to be. <laughs> so uh, what's your favorite theme park restaurant? You would think this would be more difficult than it is, but I actually have not just an answer. I have the de facto answer because if we we're taking Boathouse out of the equation in park and out, I think Takumi Te in the Japan Pavilion is far and away the best overall dining experience not just in a Disney, in a Walt Disney World theme park, but in Walt Disney World, period. It is remarkable in terms of the quality of food, the presentation of food. I love the environment. The service is exceptional. I am super excited that it is opening up again very, very soon. If only there was somebody, anybody that I could find to go with me, Takumite is number one on the list. Without Okay, and then what is, your, what is your secret... Or your hidden gem for a resort restaurant? A, a hidden gem for a resort restaurant. I'm repeating one the that question. you love, but is like under the radar for a lot of people. You know, it's hard because there's not a lot really that's under the radar anymore. Although I will say the first thing that popped into my mind is Olivia's at Old Key West. I think Olivia's does not. Couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think especially I for like place. breakfast and lunch, I think Livy's is a really, really nice place to go. Um, it's usually not very crowded. They have great dishes, um, great service as well. You're right there by the water. So I'll go with Olivia's. Thanks, Lou. Thank you. Uh, Andrew Mylan, you are next. If Hello, Lou. Um, Andrew Mylan, Charleston, South Carolina. I've been following Lou since, geez, 2007, probably. Looking for a Disney podcast and came across it. <laughs> It's been a fun ride. Um, Thank you, brother. Question would be, with all the technology that has come over the last 50 years, you've seen a lot of attractions since being down there. I know we all say we want to see things remade, but with current technology, what would be one ride that you would like to see have a current spin on with with 3D, 4D, 5D, uh, sound, ride attraction? So what ride, what what current Walt Disney World attraction would I update or what attraction no, no, would I bring no, back? No, no, like a past ride. Like if something from your childhood that you love that you think would be awesome now with everything that we have available. So my heart is is split on this one because at first I think that Horizons has incredible potential from a, a storytelling perspective with advances in technology, not just where we are, but where we are going. 
but there's also a, a very nostalgic, sentimental part of my heart that would love to take that walk down that oh-so-very-narrow and treacherous staircase down into the submarine and go 20,000 leagues. I almost did a really bad James Mason impression, by the way. 20,000 leagues under the sea in, in Magic Kingdom. That's mine as well. I would love to see that again. And then my eight-year-old Addison, she had a simple question. She asked what your favorite character is. You know, I, I still have, and I look up on my wall because Dave Rashoni, wherever you are, made me this um, years and years. Dave Rashoni, who wrote and sings with his wife, Kathy, the WW Radio theme song, knows that how much I loved Peter Pan, how much I love Peter Pan, and wrote out this nine-panel um, picture about the top nine reasons why Peter Pan is the overall best Disney character, not to mention the fact that he never has to grow up. He can fly. He lives on this beautiful island. All of the, all he like gets to hang out with his friends. He gets to play and beat the villains all the time. There's a lot of reasons to love Peter Pan. So I will go with my uh, nostalgic childhood and first impulse answer. Awesome. Thank That's you, all I got. I appreciate it. Thank you, buddy. Dan Spadoro, you have your hand raised. Hello there. Yes, I have a question for you. Uh, not to be morbid, but <laughs> if you had to have your last meal, not specifying how large the plate will be, I don't want it to be a top 10, but what Disney World food items would be on that plate, sir? And you can mix and match from a couple restaurants. So it's but sort of like the death row, meal. right? It's like a death row meal question, but yes. in Disney World. So if, if Disney was You lived to- a good life. This is the last meal. <laughs> If Disney was going to cater my, not that I would be on death row, but if Disney was going to cater my last meal, man, I would choose the best, not just the good, choose the best. It's because it's going to, it would be this, this incredible hodgepodge of different flavors (laughs) because I would have to have something from the boathouse. And I don't know if I, do I go like with the slider route route, or do I go with like a raw seafood that the tuna is so good there. But I also love the pasta at Topolino's. I would sure. need something Japanese, so I would probably have an incredible array of sushi from um, <laughs> from Takumi Tei, which I just mentioned. I'm not a sweets guy, but I guess I need some sort of sweet in there for dessert. It might be the blueberry cheese. That's what I'll do. I'll do a little bookend at the boathouse. I'll do raw bar, tuna, and then I'll have the blueberry cheesecake at the end. A little bit of sushi, and the uh, chicken sugo rigatoni from Topolino's Terrace. And I'm, I'm like hesitating because I, I know I'm forgetting something obvious. And somebody's going to go, how did you forget this thing that you love so much? But I'm under the pressure because I know I'm about to croak. So I want to I want to get my food in while I can. I just love that. It's a tough question. More, more and more every day. There's more great options. Right. So any throwback foods that you miss or that you remember growing up as a kid, getting with your family? Oh, uh, dude, give me a handwich. And give yeah. me give me a teriyaki burger from okay. the Adventureland Veranda sponsored by Kiko Man in <laughs> Adventureland. And what did they have like a pineapple ring on it? Or it something? did and had teriyaki sauce. Yeah. And had teriyaki That's a sauce. classic. I grew up with those sandwiches. Yeah. Was it a burger or was it chicken? I think it was a burger. I think they had like yeah. burgers and they had like a like a Hawaiian hot dog or something like that in, That's in there awesome. too. Yeah. Well, that's a good answer. It's a big one, but good answer. I like the fact that the first two questions are about food. This is this is easy. I got this. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Karen St. Pierre. Hi, Lou. Um, hi, my name is Karen. I've been listening since just before show 500. But my question um, is 
sadly not about food because I knew there would be a ton of food questions. So I didn't want to have something that was going to be repeated. But other than Walt Disney World or Disneyland, um, what was the thing that brought you to love Disney? Because I'm going to show you something. I know listeners won't be able to see, but I have a Bambi album. I have Lady and the Tramp. And these ones open up in her books. But this one right here was A Small World. It's Disneyland. I just remember listening to this album over and over and over again and looking at the pictures and falling in love with Mary Blair's work. So that, uh, you know, when you asked me the question, um, Karen, that's actually the first thing that I thought of, right? I was going to go to the music because I, I keep thinking back to growing up, but it's an extension of what I think the correct answer is, which was, you know, I think for a lot of us growing up, Disney was very much a part of our lives, even if it wasn't going to the parks, but it was watching the wonderful world of Disney on Sunday or going to a Disney movie, like for me with my parents and with my little brother. And that's where sort of our, not just my individual, but our sort of familial love of Disney came to be. I think the music is is definitely a an emotional extension of that, but that watching those movies and, and getting together literally like, you know, like we're at Carousel of Progress, like gathering around the TV to watch as a family and then going to the movies and then eventually going to the parks over and over and over again as a family um, is really sort of what fostered my my love of Disney as a kid growing up. For so many years, I would sing this song and go, do you remember this ride that had the song, If You Had Wings, If You Had Wings? And nobody knew what I was talking about until I found this group. And I said that and they're like, oh, yeah, that was, you know, the Eastern Airlines, you know, if you had wings ride. But you said Wonderful World of Disney. And that was the other thing was seeing Michael Eisner did the little introductions like Walt used to. I don't think I realized that Walt was dead. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm obviously much older than you. So I remember seeing <laughs> the, the reruns. Guy? I remember seeing the reruns with with Walt Disney. And that's sort of what that's what I grew up with. So and listen, if you love and know the words to if you had wings, then you clearly are in the right group. Um, Karen Glowacki, uh, yours is the next hand I saw go up. Two Karens in a row. Watch out, everybody. <laughs> um, so, Lou, I've been listening to you, I think must have been 2010, 2011. And the first time we were driving to Disney World from Indiana, I'm in Carmel, Indiana. And one of my good friends said, oh, you need to listen to my favorite podcaster, Lou Mangiello. I'm like, okay. And we did, and it was a top 10. I forget which one it was with little Timmy Foster. And we just fell in love and we've been listening ever since. Um, but my question for you is one of the things that I've enjoyed a lot is listening to you talk about your family and, you know, the kids and your dad and your mom and your experiences through the park and just how much of an influence that's been on you. So my question is, if you could have a day in the park with your dad, knowing I know I'm sorry, I'm gonna make you cry, but knowing so much of everything that has changed and evolved, what would you want him to see? And we'll throw it in there and taste. Man, going right for the waterworks, like 10 minutes in. <laughs> um, you know, it's a really interesting question because, you know, as we get older and our parents get older and, and you know, time moves on and, and there's this transition that happens sort of unknowing for, for a lot of, of children who go from being 
the child to becoming the caregiver for their parent. And it really changes your perception on a lot of things. And I had to do that for my dad. I had to do that for my mom. And now if he was able to come back or if they were able to come back for a day, I wouldn't be going as the child anymore. I would be going sort of not as the caregiver, but as sort of the person who, instead of him taking me around Disney, I would be the one taking him around Disney. Oh, you are going to make me cry. Because <laughs> I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him, right? Um, and it, it wouldn't even matter like where we went or what we rode or dare I say even what we eat, although I would take him to Boathouse. Um just being able to to walk that park with him the way that he did with me and my brother, um, I, I would give anything for. Um, that, that that's a great question, and I'm sorry I got. Um, I'm sorry I didn't. I wasn't expecting that. So um, yeah, thank you for that. I ne I never sort of really thought about what that would be like. So um, although, Dad, I'm sorry I could not put you on my shoulders the way you did. Um, <laughs> When we somehow I have a picture of my dad. He has uh, me in in one arm, and he has my brother, who's six years younger than me, on his shoulders, walking around Tomorrowland in what I have to imagine is incredibly oppressive heat. I'm assuming it's 1976 because we all have these funky 1970s red, white, and blue hats on. So um, yeah, so thank you very much for for that question. Um, Lisa Nero Glasner. You too have your hand up. I do. Um, Lisa Donato Glasner from the Castle Run. Lou, I've been listening to you since, I guess, 2014 now, um, which seems crazy. But you used to keep me company on my horrible commute to my law firm when I would be on 495 for hours on end. Um, so it's been a while. I have so many questions, but I think, um, so you've done 700 shows now. Um, and looking back, I have some guesses on an answer, but looking back, can you tell us about what show or interview you were most nervous about going in? I think, I think I was probably most nervous and it, 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 it may seem overly obvious, but I think I was most nervous for Julie Andrews because she was the person that I felt you didn't need to be a Disney fan to know who she was, right? Richard Sherman, who it was like, it's like interviewing your grandfather is like the nicest man on the planet. And he means something to us, right? Because we're Disney fans. But when I first interviewed him back on show 80, again, it was before, even before he was sort of out in the forefront, thanks to Disney and, and D23 and, and events like that. But Julie Andrews, who when I reached out, I never thought I would have a chance to get um, her. People told me I had like 15 minutes max. And I think, you know, 45 minutes later, we were still chatting. I literally remember I was living in Naples in a rented house. I had taken one of the extra bedrooms, which was incredibly echoey due to the high ceilings. I literally hung on the walls to give us a sense of behind the scenes. I hung on the walls, huge, blankets and like moving blankets to try and deaden the echo. And when I knew that I was going to be able to speak to Julie Andrews, I cleared the house. Like I gave my family 20 bucks. I'm like, go get something to eat and 
don't come back until I call you. And I had like seven different recording devices going just in case because I didn't want to lose it because it's a, you know, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. And I, I to, to make reference back, the, sort of the, the lawyer in me, um, I, I always think it's, it's so important to be prepared. And if you're going to have a guest on your show, you better believe, like you have to be incredibly well prepared, right? To show them the respect of them giving you their time. So I, I prepared a lot for the show um, to, to, to talk to her, try to be as professional as, as possible until the very end when we sort of stopped recording and I just, you know, fanboyed a little bit. And I won't do my Julie Andrews impression again because I'm sure I've done it on the show before. But when she said, oh, Lou, I just, my little brains fell out of my, I can't help it. It's like my favorite story. Because um, that was the one, like, I could tell my mom, I, I interviewed Julie Andrews, and she would know exactly who I was talking about. So that was a, like, I can't believe I got to do that moment. So. Can I quickly follow up and ask, like, with the passage of time and experience and people that, like, we've lost along the way, alive or dead, is there any interview that you wish you could go back and revisit or sit down with the person again. So I will edit. I think everything that we go through is, is a lesson um, ages ago. And, and forgive me that I don't remember what year it happened. Um, I was able to track down Thurl Ravenscroft and it was very, very difficult because it was, again, it, it was almost like pre-internet. Like there was no sort of way to easily find it, but I did. I found out where he was and I was able to, speak to um, his caregiver, his nurse, whomever it was, and arrange time to speak with him like seven or eight days later. And after I had spoken with her, he passed like three days after that. And I will always like, you know, <laughs> strike while the iron's hot. My father used to say, eat your macaroni while it's hot. Like I'm, I'm so, you know, I'm so sad that I didn't get that opportunity to capture his voice and share it with other people. And again, to talk to somebody whose work I just loved and appreciated so much. So um, record everything, <laughs> record everything because you don't know if you'll get a second chance. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Elizabeth Miemkin. Hey Lou. Hey everybody. My name is Elizabeth. Um, I have been getting email updates from Lou since 2007. And I've been in the Facebook group for, I think, as long as it existed, but I only started actually listening to the podcast about a year and a half ago. And I listened to all of them in about a year. Um, so they're all very fresh for me. Um, and That's my question lot. That's was- a lot of Lou. Woof. It Man. was a lot of Lou. I have a very long drive, so it didn't seem so bad. But um, my question is when you- first started your partnership with Miss Becky Mankin, did you expect for it to be this long and, um, well, important? <laughs> Man, there's so many ways I can answer this. And Becky's literally <laughs> like shooting daggers, like, okay, Mangello, let's hear what you have to say. I, I remember the moments that I first met Becky and sat down and spoke with her on a table off to the side at an event up in the Northeast, um, that was sort of the beginning of a conversation that I had. And, and I will tell you that that incredibly fortuitous meeting and conversation with Becky led me to have one of the most difficult conversations I've ever had to have, 
because when I met her, uh, I was dating somebody else, meaning I had, uh, I was working with another, another travel agent who was very nice, um, was very, very kind to me and had a great relationship. But when I talked to Becky and, and, you know, dug a little bit deeper in conversations with her, I saw that there was not just great opportunity in terms of things we can do together, but a great, hopefully long-term partnership that we could have. Um, and I, and I explained that to her and I told her, you know, I'm seeing somebody right now, but if things change, um, and you know, I'm a very loyal person. I'm a very, very loyal person. And I literally remember being at work. I used to be the, the, um, the chief technical officer for a medical imaging company um, when I was still living in New Jersey and I closed the door to my office and I shut all the blinds and, and I, I was talking about being nervous. I was sweating. I had such nerves calling her uh, and explaining to her that I needed to, you know, move on. Um, I, I found someone else and uh, I was crying. Like I was crying because she was a, she was a good partner, but I knew that, Becky and the way she does business and who she is. I have to pretend that Becky's not here. I literally can't look at her. I knew that, <laughs> that the person that she was and the way that she does business would not only be mutually beneficial in the short term, but I really, I just had, you know, sometimes you meet somebody and you just have a feeling that it's the right thing to do. Um, and as difficult as that conversation was, um, a lot of the things that have happened since that time and today wouldn't have happened uh, without my relationship with Becky. So uh, it was all worth it. And I'm not going to even ruin it with a joke. <laughs> she, Becky's in shock. Maybe this, wait, is she crying? No, no, she's not crying, but she's, she's in shock. Um, thank you for that though. Thank you. What year was that? That's gotta be 2008, right? Becky, is it, is it 2007, eight, somewhere around there? I think it's two, maybe 2007. It has to be 2007 or I think it was seven. I think it's six seven was because, when we talked. Seven yeah, was seven when was what happened because we did our first cruise, I think in 2008, maybe eight. Yep. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's been almost 15 years since our first cruise. I know. Isn't that amazing? That's crazy. It, talk about not knowing where certain decisions and, and choices might lead. Um, I never could have expected. <laughs> so. Well, when was episode one recorded of the show? Uh, February of 2007. Wow. Yeah. And again, that's not including the old, the, the mouse tune show that I had done before that, which I did starting in spring of 2005. So it's, it's coming up on 18 years of, of podcasting, which is funny. Like when I go to conferences, like I go to podcast conferences and, and I'll be talking to people and I'll, and you know, say, oh, when did you start podcast? Like, oh, I started back in 2005. And they go, oh, you mean 2015? And I'm like, no, man, I mean 2005. Like, I know I'm the old man in the room. So, um, again, even with show one, I, I never could have, uh, I never could have expected. So, uh, Matthew Woolley. Hi, Lou. Hi, uh, everyone. I'm Matt Woolley. Uh, I'm from, I'm another Jersey guy. So I wanted to ask Lou uh, a question about that. I know on a lot of our nation calls, we always talk about certain things you miss from back home. What's one thing, one Jersey thing that you would want to bring down to Walt Disney World and where would you put it? So I would have said bagels, but we're starting to get some good bagel places, right? They've got the right water. They're doing it right. They're literally like importing the water down here. 
They have pork roll and it's like five minutes away. So it's not sort of inside the bubble. Um, That being said, well, they still don't have Bialys. They don't know what a Bialy is down here. And there's a couple of, and there's no like, and only maybe if it's only a, a, a Northeast thing, so you might get it, you might not. There's no like Italian pork store that you can go and get sandwiches and, and freshly sliced, sliced meats and cheeses and, and like the wet regatta ball. Oh my God, it's so good. And, and now that I'm thinking about the holidays, this is like when you would normally go. And there's no like really good Jewish deli down here. Um, you would think with so many people migrating from the Northeast, they would be everywhere, but I guess everybody is retired. That being said, I would love just, we don't get a lot of fall and winter down here anymore, but if we could get like just a couple of weeks of fall, maybe some leaves changing color every so often, it would be nice. It'd be nice. Um, All right. But yeah, I don't, you know, I had great memories growing up in New Jersey, but um, I will tell you that, when I moved down here and actually when I moved, cause I was in Naples first for a couple of years. Um, and then after my, my father passed, then I they moved up here cause I was still four hours away from where Walt Disney world was. Um, when I moved to where I am now, which is, and it's not just because I'm behind the castle, but to be perfectly transparent, this is the first place in my life um, since I was a little kid that It's the first place that I felt like I really belong um, and that it's where I was supposed to be. And there was a moment when I came here and and I found this area and I found like a church and I found all the things that were important to me. And I'm like, this is where I'm supposed to be. And it is. This is the most comfortable I felt since since I was a little kid. So. Thank you. Thanks. Though. Yeah. Um. Dan, do you have another question? Yeah, I do, sir. Kind of a throwback. Uh, our family moved down from Jersey as well six years ago. I was just uh, searching my Gmail to see the first instance of Lou Mangiello. Uh, we were Facebook friends July 26, 2008. Wow. Uh, I had gotten married that fall to my now wife. And it's just, it's funny because I haven't, unlike Elizabeth, I haven't listened to every episode, I fully admit. Uh, there's some gaps in the history as the kids have, you know, taken over. But, um, you know, one of our comment threads back then was talking about Gary meeting him at the wine library, Gary V. Yeah. So I'm sure Gary and many others have been an influence on you're your own man. And, you know, Gary has his own uh, words at all, too. But like what other influencers are are people in the social space as they built kind of a personality and and a group around them? Have you taken influence from who's really inspired you on your journey, even outside of the Disney space? And why? So it's interesting because. You know, so first of all, the word influencer wasn't even a word back then, right? Like it just wasn't, it wasn't a thing. Just like the word social and media no. weren't together. I first nope. met Gary uh, at a conference. Um, we were both speakers at a conference in Las Vegas. God, it's got to be. That's awesome. 2006, <laughs> seven somewhere. And I remember being in the audience and watching this guy on stage and how dynamic and authentic and genuine he was. And I ended up finding out later that we actually grew up like a couple of miles from each other um, in, in Edison. He was in Edison. I was in Plainfield, but like right down the street from one sure. another. Uh, and there was something about his 
genuineness and his passion. And then obviously Gary became Gary. Um, I read his book multiple times um, and it really sort of spoke to me and crush it. Which one was it? Yeah. Crush yeah the very primer? first one. And then, and then he had yeah. jab, jab, jab after that. Yep. Um, but I had met him, you know, a couple times and spoken to him a, a couple of times. And um, I, it probably had more, Seeing what he was doing and this thing that he loved, or you know, he talked about wine. I talked about Disney, but they were sort of yeah. parallel in a way, right? Talking about this thing that we loved and just having your own style and, and way to do it. Obviously, Gary and I talk very differently about the things that yes. we talk about, but but it comes from an authentic place of, of exactly. passion. Um, you know, in terms of other influences, I was I just had this conversation with somebody the other day, and I know that this is like the lame answer, but it's true. I never realized what an influence my parents were. And what I mean was mm. not as my mother and my father, but my fa my parents always were, and I didn't realize it at the time, that they were always entrepreneurs, right? Which I didn't know even what that word meant. Because when I was a kid, if you were an entrepreneur, in air quotes, you were a bum. It meant that you were unemployed. <laughs> but, you know, my dad was an attorney. My mother ran my yeah. uncle's, you know, neurosurgical practice with, you know, but they always had something going on the side, right? And this is, I think, mm -hmm. where I learned about entrepreneurship without realizing I was learning about it because they had an antique store. They had a store in the flea market. They had a bagel store. They had all these different things going on mm. on the side. And it wasn't about the money, right? They just loved doing these things. So I spent every weekend in the flea market and I spent every vacation in a car going across the country, sitting in front of antique stores for hours at a time doing estate sales. But I was learning about what entrepreneurship was without them ever sure, sitting me down saying, this is entrepreneurship. And and two, you know, Walt Disney is the ultimate entrepreneur. You know, the $40 yep. and, a, and a, you know, and a suitcase is the ultimate entrepreneur, passion driven, not give up story. So if there are influencers in my life, that's, you know, those are probably the people that I would, would call had the most influence. Awesome. Great question, man. Thank you. Uh, Jeremy. Hello everyone. I'm Jeremy Chapel. Uh, been listening to the podcast for several years, but only got involved in the Facebook group probably in the past year, year and a half. Um, my question is, um, I was wondering what attraction in Walt Disney World do you think you have uh, probably the most personal connection with or most sentimental connection with? So maybe it's not even your favorite ride, but um, I take it like I get on uh, the Carousel of Progress and it takes me back as a kid with my parents just because my mom really liked that one. So I guess the question is, what attraction really would do that for you? You know, that's a great question. Um, because on one hand, I think about my kids and the first time I took my kids. And through no pre-planning of our own, both of their first attractions that they rode was Pirates of the Caribbean. And one, if not both, slept through most of it, which, fine, it doesn't matter because it was more about for us than for them. Then I go back to thinking about going with my parents or going as I was growing up. Again, things, attractions that aren't there anymore are seem to be the ones that, that pop into mind first. 
20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, like we loved. If you had wings, my dad loved that attraction, not just because it was free, but I can hear that song playing in my head. I can see that grainy video of the fishermen and the fish that kept on growing and shrinking and the speed tunnel and all of those different scenes and coming out. And it, this memory is vague at best, but when you came out of, it's a, uh, it's a small, when you came out of, if you had wings, there was an Eastern airlines travel agency kiosk there because they wanted you to sort of come out and be like, Oh, we can travel to all these exotic destinations. Let's just book it right here. It's like a bounce back offer on Disney cruise line without actually going on Disney cruise line. Um, and they gave you wings. They gave you like pilot wings. So those attractions, I guess, that aren't there anymore may be the ones that I remember going on most. Although, very quick story. Does anybody remember for a very brief period of time in the Haunted Mansion? <laughs> sorry, Mom. In the Haunted Mansion, uh, when you get to the Endless Hallway, there is a suit of armor that's standing there. For a very, very, very short period of time. Maybe it's my mother's fault. There used to be somebody in that suit of armor, right? They had a real person in that suit of armor that wouldn't actually touch your vehicle, but would sort of like jump out and move. I don't know how sort of authentic or manufactured this memory is of my mother making sure when we got out of the attraction, she needed to have a conversation with, I don't know. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, but... Um, I do remember my mom not reacting well to the person coming out. Sorry again, mom, but that's what I recall. So, um, Chris. Hi, uh, Chris Alger. I've been listening since 2008, 2009, and was just wondering, uh, what, what podcasts do you listen to or what do you recommend? So I will tell you that, and I'll explain why. So I don't listen to any other Disney podcasts, um, not because I don't like and appreciate the work that other podcasters do. It's been fascinating for me to watch how back in 2005, there was maybe two, three of us that had started in the Disney podcast space. And obviously it has exploded exponentially, which I love because I think there is a, voice for everyone, not just to share, but a voice for everyone to sort of, you know, I think you resonate with different hosts for different reasons. So I love the fact that there is a wide variety of content and content creators to choose from, but I don't listen to other Disney podcasts. And it really is, is for two reasons, three reasons. One, um, no one can ever accuse me of stealing an idea or a topic or um, an opinion because I just don't listen to anybody else. Um, and it's not anything intentional about any podcaster specifically. I just don't listen to other Disney podcasts. One for that reason. Two, um, I don't, you know, the only time I listen to podcasts is in my car. I don't spend a lot of time away from my desk. I'm not in my car that often. And when I do three, when I do listen to other podcasts, they're usually business related or completely unrelated entertainment wise. So I'll listen to business, entrepreneurship, um, sometimes, a, I almost called it a book on tape, sometimes an audible book. Um, for a while, I would listen to a couple of different podcasts about Lost, the TV show Lost, it would, because that is and was sort of my mental sort of escape and break. So when I would go and 
pick up my kids from school, which I don't do anymore, which is why I'm not in my car as much. That's the kind of stuff that I would listen to. But it would also sort of give me sort of a mental respite from thinking about Disney all the time. Did that answer your question without being specific? It did. And I wasn't anticipating <laughs> looking for Disney uh, podcasts. I was thinking, what, what ones do you listen to? Like the, the entrepreneurial ones. Is there anyone in particular that you do listen to? Um, you know, it's funny because I don't have one in particular because I, I, I bounce around a lot because ones that I listened to five, seven, ten years ago didn't necessarily continue on, right? Pod fading is, is a real thing and longevity sometimes is an issue for, for podcasters um, in terms of having a show that can, you know, go 10 to 15 years. Um, if I start, I'm afraid that if I start listening, list, listing one and then I don't list other, I'm going to feel bad that friends of mine who are podcasters, like in the bid, in the business space, um, I would, I would accidentally omit, but I, I will, you know, I'll do, I will take a screenshot of the podcast I subscribe to and I'll post it in the clubhouse. How's that? Sounds good. Thanks. Cool. Thanks brother. Uh, Stuart Boyles. Hey, Lou, um, and, and nation friends. Uh, so I've been listening for a while. I don't know how long um, time has lost all meaning to me. Uh, my big question is, can you talk to how hashtag choose the good came about and how it's affected your life and what you do? That's a great question. Uh, I don't remember when. I, I know that it was, I think it was either like a Wednesday night show or it was a podcast I was recording. And I, I can't speak to what specifically prompted it, but I think it was, look, I'm a, I'm a very positive person, not just on the show and about Disney and things, but just in general. And you know, sometimes we, especially we see it on, on social media that there's just so much negativity um, going on and, and it's it it sucks the life out of people. It does for me, right? I try and avoid that as much as possible because it does, it, it's an energy suck, all that negativity. And I realized over time and when it fell out of my mouth, which is exactly what it did, it sort of fell out of my mouth as I was on doing the show or, or doing the live that I realized that, that there is good to find in, in almost anything, right? Not Nothing is perfect, and I get that, and and I'm, you know, I, I sort of unapologetically maybe look at certain things with rose-colored glasses, although I acknowledge when things are wrong and things aren't perfect, but if I'm going to, for example, spend my money to go to a restaurant, a movie, whatever, I, I'm, I don't want to be miserable, right? I want to try and find something good about it, whether it's the people that I'm with, something funny that happened, the drink, the appetizer, whatever. And I, and I sort of choose the good sort of happens, like I said, accidentally in terms of trying to find something positive in any situation, because I do believe that, that as, as toxic as negativity can be, I think that positivity has equal, if not more powerful ability to be contagious. And look, I know that me and my show and the way that I am is not for everybody. And I'm okay with that. Like, that's cool. And that's why I said earlier, having 
hundreds of different Disney podcasts is great because there's something and, and somebody for everybody. But uh, it's who I am. I like talking about the things that make us happy about going to this place. And, I, and, you know, those of you that know me on a more personal level know that that's just the way that I approach things. And, you know, I, I feel like I'm happier for it. So I'm not sure if that answers the question. I don't even know if I know the answer to, the, to that question, but um, it's just an extension of this conscious and, and subconscious way that I, that I approach things. Um, and hopefully it, it's had some sort of positive ripple effect on other people as well. I real quick, I can actually say that for me, it is actually a get up in the morning, have to put on the, that hat of looking at the world through the choose the good lens, right? It's an active thing that you have to do or else you just get sucked in by all the negativity. And I think choosing to sometimes distance yourself from negative people, um, as hard as that might be, um, is for me that that works too. Um, you know, or trying to help people that maybe are like that and, and maybe to see things a little bit of a different way as well. So, um, Caleb Joshua Hill, you're back. Wait, gotta, I got to un- unmute. Oh, okay. Hi, I am Caleb Joshua Hill. I'm from Spring Mountain, Pennsylvania. I've been listening to the show for about four years. So that's been, it's just been a ride. So it's really great listening to all the podcasts. Um, so my question is, what do you think about the 100 years of Disney magic or wonder uh, for next year? What is your thoughts on that? So I'm, I'm really curious to see what uh, Disney and D23 and, and the, the company as a whole does. My hope as a, as a Disney enthusiast and someone who has a love for this company that spans a very wide spectrum. I really hope, and I believe based on things that I saw at D23 Expo, I really hope that we don't lose sight of one thing, that it was all started by a man, um, and that more attention is given to, I should have said, I should have said man slash men, that more attention is given to Walt Disney, the, the man, the father, the husband, the human being, and his brother Roy, who oftentimes does not get the attention and the credit that he deserves. It's it's why we did a show about Roy. I don't remember what number it was because I think it's really important. So I hope that in addition to everything that, that the company has accomplished in, in a remarkable hundreds of years that literally has changed the world as we know it, not just entertainment. I hope that um, attention is focused and more people learn and understand about Walt Disney and his brother Roy and the the people who got them from the $40 in the suitcase to, to where we are in 2023. That's great. Um, and my second question is what is your favorite Disney theme park around the world? Caleb, my heart lives here in magic in, in Walt Disney world, but man, oh man, um, Tokyo Disney sea is on just a different level. It is, it is, a remarkable, remarkable place um, that is, I think, some of the best 
storytelling and placemaking that Disney has done anytime, anywhere. And I'm going to take this moment, Becky, to announce that we will be returning to Tokyo. Um, I don't know Not when. Yet. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet, but we will. <sighs> we will be going back to Tokyo. We did an Adventures by Disney years ago um, as, as, a, as a WWE radio group, which, you know, to say it was a life-changing trip, I mean, really is, is not, it's not sort of hyperbolic. Like it's true to learn not just about the country and the people and the culture, but to see that park where nothing you see on a video, nothing you read about, nothing you hear about can really make you understand just how remarkable that place is. Not just because of the Disney stories, but the, the, the culture and dare I say the food and the unique variety of attractions and lands that are, that make up Tokyo Disney sea specifically. Uh, it is, it is an incredible and incredible place. Um, and I can't wait to go back because we didn't even get to see Becky. We literally didn't get to see and do everything while we were there. No, not at all. We barely scratched the surface of, of Japan. And I think it's going to take maybe one or two trips back at this point, but I shouldn't encourage you. <laughs> Listen, let me just mute Becky again and I'll give you dates as to when we're going. <laughs> no, not until we have a contract. You know how that goes. <laughs> plans plans are underway, but we just don't know. Yeah. I hope to know. go one day to Tokyo Disney Sea and Tokyo Disneyland because it's just, I mean, I listen to the music on YouTube and I, I see pictures and videos and it's fantastic. So I can't wait. I will say, one day. I'll say one last thing, Caleb, is as much as I love and and it's the music of my childhood, right? From the the Sherman Brothers in in the theme parks and and attractions and and movies. I think, and I'll have to do. We'll have to talk about this at some point, in in some context. But I think "Compass of Your Heart" by mm -hmm, Alan Menken yes. from the oh Sinbad gosh. Adventure attraction may so be the single most beautiful yeah. piece of Disney music, mm -hmm. moving. Yeah. The lyrics, and if you can find it on YouTube, which, and it's very easy, look up Alan Menken, D23 Expo Japan. He sings in English, Compass of Your Heart. If you don't cry, something's wrong because it is an absolutely beautiful, inspiring um, piece of music that I, I really wish more people knew and, and heard. So uh, definitely go and check it out. So... Uh, thank you. All right, Brian Kirshner. Hi, Brian Kirshner from uh, Round Lake, Illinois. Uh, I want to say congratulations on 700 shows. And I started listening probably around 2016, 2017. Uh, with so many shows, is there one or two that is most memorable, memorable to you? You know, they're like children, Brian. They're all memorable to me. Some more memorable than others. It, you know, it's easy to go to uh, some of the interviews because they're, they're people whose work I had admired um, going back to, you know, I think the first interview, I think the first interview I did was it, it was either Charlie Ridgway or it was Michael Brogy on like show three, four, five, six, somewhere around there. And the people that I have had occasion to meet and get to know and befriend has been beyond my wildest expectations and dreams, like not just as the creator of, of 
the, the content on the podcast, but as a Disney fan, um, having been able to, to get to know some of these people has been remarkable. And I won't, I won't drop names, but I'm sure you can sort of piece together um, some of those people in terms of other shows. You know, I, I will say I always love ones where we get to record them live, something like this, but when we get to record them live in person, because when I say that the show is not just for you, but it's by, with, and about you, I love being able to, and that's why I wanted to do this, because this, this is not about me. It's about the show and the community that you have all created. Um, I, I love having different voices and, and contributing. Um, man, I don't know. Uh, that first show, though, was six minutes of torture. But other than that, I can't remember. I, I can't sort of speak specifically to any other ones that... Um, because again, if I start mentioning one, then I'll feel bad if I don't mention others. Um, all right, anybody else? Uh, Ray, you got another question? Yeah, kind of a follow-up to Lisa's question. Um, your your interviews are usually are, are, are so thorough and well-researched and professional. Outside of maybe the Julie Anderson interview, is there anybody that you interviewed that you were worried about fanboying on? I don't think so because I take what I do, like, look, we talk about Disney World and Disney Parks, but I take what I do very, very, very seriously. Um, and I hold myself to a very high standard. One, because my name is attached to it. And two, because we're talking about a company that holds itself to the very highest of standards, right? We have expectations of, of what the standards of Disney are. So trying to be professional is is of paramount importance. That being said, all right, and please understand, I'm only answering this this way because of the question that you asked. Again, this is not about me, but um, I've had remarkable opportunities as, as a result of, of this. And I've made friends who are my friends for life. Um, again, growing up, I did not have a lot of friends and never thought that I would have a, a circle of friends like you and, and other people in the community. And one of the most remarkable experiences I ever had was being invited out to uh, a press junket for Avengers Infinity War out in California. And I like couldn't believe I was there. I couldn't believe I got invited. I couldn't believe I was like going to Beverly Hills in this crazy hotel and I walk in and I'm just, I'm giddy. I'm like a five-year-old and, and I'm just giddy. And I get there and I put my little like backpack and my little rolling suitcase and I get in the elevator and I'm going up to my, just wanted to go up to my room and, and drop off my stuff and go walk around. And, and I stop on a floor and the door opens and it's Chadwick Boseman and, um, God, I'm drawing blanks on the, it, it's Chadwick Boseman and, um, it's Chadwick and... My God, why am I blanking on Loki's name? Um, Tom Hiddleston. Thank you. Chadwick Boseman, Tom Hiddleston, and oh, um, Paul Bettany. We're in the elevator. By the way, they're all incredibly tall, not just because I'm sort And here's me like on the side of the elevator. Now I'm like holding my bag like really close to me. Like I don't want to even like invade their space. And they're just like chatting away, like being all handsome with their great accents and all that. And I'm, again, I'm trying to be professional, not like... Um, hey, I love the movies. And the door opens. No, so, oh, sorry. It was Tom Hiddleston and 
Paul Bettany and the elevator opens and Chadwick Boseman is standing right there, like in front. And they're all like, hey, whatever. And they're like hugging. And here's me. And I'm trying to like squeak by them, like with my little bag, like trying to just get to my room. Um, it was really hard not to fanboy there. And my son still yells at me. After I dropped off my bag, I got back in the elevator. I just wanted to go get something to eat. And I get in the elevator and who gets on but Tom Holland. So it's me and Tom Holland and Tom Holland's like dude that he's with. And he's just like hanging out, talking about like his pants. There's this like slow motion moment. I like, I want to sort of fanboy and I want to like take a selfie and I want to be like, hey, I love you, Spider-Man and like be like the five-year-old nerd. And I didn't because I was trying to be somewhat professional. My son still to this day um, gives me grief about not saying something to Tom. That was actually one of the funniest text strings I've ever received from you. (laughs) One after another, after another of... You won't believe who I just met or saw. You won't. It was hilarious. And I knew that that's where you were going when you started that story. I, I still, to this day, like it was an incredible opportunity. Again, doesn't happen without all of you. Like that does not happen without your support and and for the show. And and that was a moment I, I won't forget. So uh, Becky Mankin, you have your hand raised. I do. <laughs> Because I have I'm a sweating. question. I'm literally sweating right now. Go ahead. And I'm, I'm going to be good. I'm going to be nice to you because I'm actually very curious about this. I'm not going to, I know you, I know you too well, so I can't just say one, but I want to know from you up to three. We've had, well, first, let me back up. Thanks, Elizabeth, for that question earlier. To, er, earlier, um, That really takes me back on the journey that Lou and I have had over the years. And I was looking back in the email and yeah, it was 2008. And I found the actual original email after we had our first conversation and it's there. And our first cruise was in 2009. Um, We've had this wonderful opportunity to do a lot of amazing things with the WDW radio Ohana. And we've done a lot of trips. We've gone to several places around the world. We've done a, a ton of cruises I'd like to know up to three of your favorite moments, not destinations, but moments that you can remember from those trips that had an impact on you. And why? Oh, man. So when you when you throw the qualifier of impact, mm-hmm. right, it sort of changes the, the, the question and my answer a little bit. Because, okay. Because when I think of impact there's there's sort of impact on just a personal level right standing on the great wall of china is an impactful experience right being in the center of the forbidden city in in china is an impactful experience different than going on a cruise and being in a room with 500 people that you can call your friend. um, That's impactful for a different reason, right? I was a kid who had no friends. That's impactful to me. Um, And again, it's not, I don't know how to articulate it. Like it's not about the number of people, but it's that we as a community can come together and do these things together 
even just like from an outsider looking in, like watching people come together and friendships and relationships form, that's incredibly impactful to me because if I had a small hand in helping people find their people, man, like that's, you know, that's impactful beyond me. It's impactful to, to those people in a positive way. Um, impactful moments of things that we've done together. Gosh, it's hard, right? It's hard. It is. It's hard. It's really hard. It's meant to be hard. I'm, I'm trying not going to throw you a softball. You could have, you could have like fed me this question ahead of time. Um, <laughs> because again, I, I think about, again, from a personal perspective, the places that I have been able to go and see and the things I've been able to do with my friends, like with you, like you're not just a partner, you're a friend. But <laughs> being able to do those things together um, is impactful for me. But I try and think not about me. I think about, you know, how it impacts the community as a whole. It's why I thought about the group events and and stuff that we get to do like that. Like being able to create experiences for people that they wouldn't have had otherwise. Being able to help when I talk about the, the building of the clubhouse metaphor, like it's true. It I've had nothing to do with bringing people together other than helping to create a place and foster a sense of community that you populate and you make the relationships and you make that community flourish. Like that's impactful for me because I can step back on the outside and look in and watch conversations happen that I have nothing to do with. And that that's impactful for me because I hope that it's impactful for the people who are participating, if that makes any sense. Okay, so follow up to that then. Aside oh, from kidding. the, the antique store, it's, it's impactful. Forget it. It's the it's the antique store in Japan. Oh my god, I love that moment so much. <laughs> I wanted that katana so oh bad, and oh. I couldn't find it. Um, looking at it a different way, then if I say WDW radio group trips that we've done together, what immediately pops into your head as a memory, or you know something that you that immediately dawns on you is something that you'll always remember from one of those trips. You know, China pops into mind first because it's a place I, I never would have gone otherwise. I, I really don't think I ever would have gone to China and, and being able to do those things like the Great Wall and the Forbidden City ever had it not been for the community and you and Adventures by Disney. I just wouldn't, it just never would have happened otherwise. It's the same thing with Italy coming up in, in March, mm -hmm. a trip that I've waited my whole life to do. And that's not me exaggerating. Uh, my dad always wanted to go. My mother didn't fly. They never built the bridge in between New Jersey and Rome. So he never got to go. Um, it is. It has been a a bucket list trip for me personally, like to see certain things, like to go to the Vatican and to go to the Sistine Chapel is something that I have felt that I've needed to do for a long time, but to know that I'm going to complete the trip that my dad never got to do um, is meaningful, meaningful for me as well. That's amazing. And two more really quick, cause I'm gonna, you know, be here for a second. <laughs> what is the funniest moment from one of those 
adventures that we've had that you can that I can that share on the show that I can actually that I can share on the show. Yes, you can share. <laughs> oh man, um, gosh, the funniest moments because there, there's there have been so many, and sometimes they're funny in hindsight. So. You probably thought it was hysterical. In the moment, I did not. But I know you love the picture of the very first D23 Expo when we oh. had no idea what to expect. I had a booth. You had a booth. We literally, like the Berlin Wall, we tore down the wall in between our two booths, which were next to each other. Nobody knew what D23 Expo was. I was still involved with Celebrations Magazine at the time. I tried to find out how many people were going to Expo I was able to sort of pull out a number from them that was not the right number. Um, it was, for one reason or another, it was way higher. So we ordered and shipped thousands and thousands of magazines to D23 Expo. Just a quick aside, Celebrations Magazine is such a high-quality print publication. Magazines are very, very, very heavy, and they're very heavy to ship. Well, because the numbers were off and were not what we had anticipated, not in terms of selling magazines, because I was giving them away, but in terms of the number of people who were actually in attendance, when the um, when the, the convention center company brings your boxes out from where they store them when the convention is over and it's time to pack up and there's a picture of me sitting on the floor <laughs> with feigning a smile and I'm literally, it's like I'm at Chichen Itza because there's a giant pyramid of boxes of celebrations <laughs> magazines. It's not funny. Thousands of celebrations magazines piled up behind me. Like it's the pyramid of Giza and you know, they're expensive to ship one way. They're even more expensive to ship back. And we, we had to sort of make a call and decide that it was literally, it was less expensive to dispose of the magazines than it was to ship them all back. It was a very sad moment. I, I don't, I'm having a little PTSD thinking about it, but. <laughs> that's the, that's I the first that one that popped in your head. I was actually thinking about the trips we've taken, not not the conventions, but I'll, I'll, I'll let you think on that. And by the end of the show, if you can come up with whatever that was, but finally, what is the n number one non-Disney destination that's on your bucket list? That you haven't been to before and does it's, you're not currently booked on. Egypt. Yeah. I want to see Egypt. I'm not going to go into my whole ancient aliens. Aliens. Right? I know. <laughs> I have to do a lot of research before we book that trip because. No, I, I would love to, I would love to go see uh, Egypt. I'm fascinated by the, 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 the history um, in Egypt. Uh, same thing in, in some places like Greece um, because of the, of the historical aspects to it same thing I, I would like to go to central america and and see um you know puma punku and 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 some of the the ancient ruins. again aliens got it i'm not mentioning aliens <laughs> but if Giorgio sukalos was here we well, would be talking about aliens well congrats on 700 episodes and thank you so much for taking me along on this journey because it's been amazing and i can't wait to see what we do next well it couldn't happen without you Um, Grace. Hey, Lou, it's Grace Corba. I just wanted to say thank you for sharing all the magic with us. I've been listening to you for 11 years now, and I, I just can't believe it's been that long. Um, but thank you. And my question is, what is that special space or attraction in Walt Disney World 
that you find yourself returning to after all these years, that space where you know you're in the presence of magic? That's a great question. And because you phrased it that way, it, it alters my answer a little bit because I have spaces that I like to just go to, right? It's not gonna, it's no surprise when I talk about going to the Japan Pavilion in Epcot, um, sitting among the bamboo forest and, and hearing the music and the, the waterfall and the koi pond and looking down at the promenade is, is one of my favorite places in, in a Disney theme park anywhere. But there's something special about Magic Kingdom. And there is something special about finding a spot on Main Street and watching the world go by a little bit. And I, I'm an observer more than anything else. And I love watching the dynamics of families. I love seeing the expression on people's faces. I love watching big, strong, tough dudes walk in with their daughter dressed as a princess on their shoulder and just ball and just weep at the sign of the castle because there is something special about this place. And I will, I will wave that flag hard till the day I die. Um, as many times as I've been, I still think, especially in magic kingdom, there is something it's called magic kingdom for a reason. And maybe I am a total crazy person and, and nerd and that's fine. I, I embrace it, but sitting on main street and, and hearing the horse drawn carriage go by and that ragtime music and the castle off in the distance and Walt and his window and all that. There's, there's something special right there. Thank and you. the boathouse. Now, who am I kidding? It's also the boathouse <laughs> and the chicken tenders on Disney cruise line, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm digressing. Um, all right. Anybody else? Any other last couple of questions? There's a couple I want to take from the, I'll give you a chance to raise your hands. Um, let me see. Uh, I know you're not a sweets guy. I know you're not a sweets guy. Well, there's a lot of those. Um, Jim Zachreski. Zachreski. I think that's it. Uh, reflecting back on 700 plus shows, what was the aha moment that helped you pursue your passion for Disney and switching careers? I don't know if there was, there was a, I'm going to answer these like rapid fire. I don't know if there was, a, there was a single moment, but there was a moment that I came to the realization that I needed to go from where I was in New Jersey to be where what I do is. Like I, I couldn't keep going back and forth from Orlando, I'm sorry, from New Jersey to Florida, uh, not just because it was ridiculous, ridiculously expensive, but I had, you know, a young daughter at the time. And when I realized and, and said, like, I think this is what I, I need to do. And before my wife had the word yes out of her mouth, I was downstairs packing because I didn't want to give her a chance to think about it too much. Um, that was probably the single moment. Uh, Kevin Lively, he says, is the gre grease tape real? It is a yes or no question. I will just say yes. It is hermetically sealed and will come with me to my grave. Um Jim Orlowski, again, somebody who's been with me since the beginning. Um, this is actually a great question. If and when you plan on retiring, what will happen to WDW Radio? Will the box be sent to the recyclers? I, as long as one person, uh, so on one hand, I say, as long as one person still listens, I, I will keep doing the show. But the honest answer, Jim, is the day that this stops being fun, 
is the day that I stopped doing it. There is no, that being the case, there is no end in sight. I will probably, you know, I will probably keel over in front of this microphone that I've been using for the past, you know, 18 years because I still love this. Like I get get excited every week to do the show. I get even more excited for the live show on Wednesday nights. I get excited for the events that we do. I excited. I get excited to go to the parks, whether I'm going alone, doing research, meeting friends, going with my family. Like it still means something to me, and I still love every second. Um, I, I don't know what'll happen to WWE Radio. You tell me. <laughs> like you tell me what happens. I, I don't. Everybody's like, well, is your son going to take over? I don't think he has any. Um, interest or intent on doing so. So um, I don't know. I should need, I can need to consult an attorney. I don't know. I don't know what happens to the show um, when I go. I would be interested to hear from you guys what should happen to the show when that, now I'm worried, like, is something wrong with me? Like, does Jim know something that I don't know? Like, is this my farewell show? I'm looking at you on Zoom to see. You're laughing. So you guys know something Karen is laughing hysterically, so she knows something that I don't know. Um, let me see. What is... Wow, there's a lot of questions about... A lot of questions about food and a lot of questions about Greece. What role did I play in Greece? On what day will the Greece tea be released? I am... Does that surprise you, really? I mean, let's think about this for a second. I am not, I, I am not asking. Um, <laughs> Lori and Montgomery, are you okay when we come up if you want to sell... Lori... I'm a hugger. Bring it in. I'm selfies. Or I'm always, I, yes. Um, where will I take my, Chandler Bingley? What, what is the first Disney park and attraction you're going to take your grandchild? Chandler, I felt that one. Like I'm having a slight myocardial infarction when you talk about my grandchild, please. My daughter's, my daughter's only 19. It's going to make me cry. He says, I mean, it's going to be several years from now, but let's start thinking about it. Um, she goes to magic. He or she goes to magic kingdom. And, um, I don't know. Maybe we go to maybe we we go to 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 pirates just because that's where my kids are. Um, when are we going to visit Marceline? That 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 group trip has been part of conversation. Um, did you, Becky May? Did you really eat all fourteen thousand chicken fingers that were consumed on the Disney Wish? No. Uh, all right, I'll come back to some of those. Uh, Grace, you have another question. And if anybody else does, just raise your raise your hand. Maybe not. Grace just left her question her hand up. If anybody else on the call has any other questions, raise your hand. Um, Bill Danny says, "Can you teach somebody to be an entrepreneur, or does it have to exist in a person?" Um, wow, that's a, that's an interesting question. Sort of obviously non related to Disney, but sort of the other side of what I do. I think, Bill, I think it has to be something that is that is in you because I think, and when you talk about being an entrepreneur, I, I think you're talking about taking a leap of faith and starting a business or leaving a job to pursue something that you are passionate about because that's the key, right? So you have to, it, it has to exist from a place of passion. You can't buy it. You can't manufacture it. And if it's not there, that's, thing that you want to do is going to start to feel like a job and succeeding however you define success is very very difficult because what you don't see is what a lot what most people don't see they don't see the late nights they don't see this financial stress they don't see 
the early mornings. They don't see the sacrifices that you make because nobody needs to see that, right? What They don't need to see how the sausage get made, but those things don't happen if it doesn't come from a place of passion. So you can teach entrepreneurship, but you have to have something. Um, you definitely need to have something inside. Um, top of my bucket list, not Disney related. Um, Lisa Neuroglassner, you have raised your hand once again. Well, I, I didn't want to interrupt the questions from the rest of the clubhouse, um, but I thought maybe a nice way to wind up or a, a note to, I don't know, finish on, but to reconnect on is you know, Becky talk, was talking a lot about, you know, group trips and special memories and things that you've done on group trips, but, you know, you've kind of blazed this path for yourself and all of us, um, you know, starting at the very beginning and have created so many different opportunities for yourself and your family and there's just really cool things that you've been able to do along the way. So I'd just be curious to hear like, what is the one sort of opportunity or thing that's crossed your path that has come out of all of this that stands out the most to you? I think there has, I'm going to answer your question in a, in a relatively circuitous manner because I'm thinking about it as it, I think what has happened has been completely unexpected, right? This all started with a personal challenge because I was always in the service business, right? I, I had an IT consulting company while I was practicing law. I had this idea for making a book. It, it was just a challenge. Can I write a book and can I get it published? I thought that was the complete end game. And all these other secondary and tertiary and beyond have happened as a result from it on the Disney side. And as time has gone on, other businesses for me have developed as a result um, in terms of, you know, speaking professionally, not just sort of sharing my story on stage when I first started going to conferences to learn, but speaking consistently, not just at conferences, but uh, working with businesses and, and going to schools, which I love because I love sort of hopefully impacting and inspiring young kids as well. But it's made me realize, right, because out of those things, the Momentum Workshop was born, the retreats were born, the one-on-one the -on -one coaching and all that stuff. So there's this other sort of side of my business. And it's made me realize in hindsight that, and I didn't recognize it at first, but this is what I think, that what I've always wanted to do is help people, right? When I practiced law, I was a plaintiff's attorney. I wanted to help people who needed help. I wanted to help people who were in trouble. I started doing IT work because I wanted to help people be more efficient in their business by networking their computers, by developing a website, by being more effective in, in what they were able to do. I wanted to help people by sharing this, this idea that you can turn that thing that you love into the thing that you do and let me help you along the way because I didn't have that. I didn't have somebody, yes, my parents were incredibly supportive and things like that, but I didn't have anybody to help guide me through those things. So the very long-winded, and I'm not even sure if correct answer to the question was, I've learned that my my goal and maybe the reason why, you know, God put me where he put me was to help people in, in whatever way I am able to do that, whether it was, you know, originally was trying to have a better experience when he got, went to the Disney parks or, you know, be better in your business. Or more importantly, I think I really want to help people just overall in, in 
their their personal life, not just in their business as well. Because as entrepreneurs, the two are so um, incredibly intertwined, as I'm sure you know, um, your business and your personal life and the happiness that um, can come from both. It's about what I was expecting as an answer, so it's perfect. A part of me feels like you could have been talking about anything and this would have happened. Like it's a, it works really well because it's Disney has sort of a community and a and a fandom and a and a solid location where we can all come together. But you know, whether you were talking about like 1970s and 1980s stuff or Disney or it, whatever it, it was, it it feels like it could have manifested in the same way because of what your underlying intent has always been. And it, I never realized it was my intent until later, right. Until sort of the, the hindsight being 2020. Um, so hopefully, you know, cause somebody in, in, I'm trying to find it. Um, I had copied a number of questions from the um, clubhouse and somebody had asked me a question. Jennifer Smith said, what is the legacy you want to leave the world? which is very heavy and it's very, very deep, but it's also very profound. And I think it's important. And as we get older, words like legacy start to creep into your your mind and into, into your vocabulary. And there's the legacy that I want to leave, like for my kids in terms of hopefully what they have learned and, and what um, what they will grow to become. And then there's a legacy from all this and, and my the 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 simplest answer I can give is I just hope that I have had a, a positive impact on um, the lives of people that I've touched in in whatever form that is. So, uh, and Dan says, "Hey, don't kick the bucket anytime. <laughs> don't kick the bucket anytime soon. I'm trying. I'm really trying. I'm eating healthy ish. It doesn't matter." Becky said, we need to start planning show 1000. Now I feel that heart attack coming again. We start to write show 1000. Let me see, 300 times. Five. It's not That's that like, far away, really. It's if you like think about six it. years. It's like six years. Listen, it, it, from your lips to God's ears that I'm I'm still here and, and anybody is still listening in in uh, in six years. Yeah, some of these some of these are, are much longer questions that I'm not going to have time to answer. Like, why am I really not a sweet guy from Drew Pike? I think that's really, I think that's really it. And maybe, you know, maybe the legacy question is an, is an appropriate way to, to sort of round out this, this Q and a thing, which I hope doesn't come across as, as self-serving. I, I, I really did it because so many people had, have asked me over t- uh, time and, and had posted in the group, but because this show and, and this community is, is very much not about me. Like, People ask me all the time, like, what's the show about? And I'm like, it's not about Disney. It's about people and it's about friends and it's about extended family. And, and you know, people sometimes, especially when I go to conferences, ask me things about like numbers and stuff like that. And like, I don't care. Like, if you know me well, you know, like, I don't know my numbers. I don't care about my numbers because I only care. I don't care about how many people are listening. I care about who is listening. Um, I worry who is there and, and how I can help you and how I can serve you and, and what the show does for you um, and that you're there for the right reasons. And I, I just want, I just want you to know that, that I put love into everything that I do. And I mean that when I talk about our, our family and that's what we are. Like people always say like, you can't choose your family. Like your family chooses you. I, I, I don't like, they say you can't choose your family. And I, and I agree and I disagree because I think sometimes 
your family chooses you and and I feel like I have been chosen to be part of this incredible warm and loving and caring and thankfully drama free family um so thank you for for choosing me and and I always want WW Radio to not just be a a a, a safe and, and happy and welcoming and positive place and escape and to to your question before like long after I'm gone uh, I hope that it I hope that the community that you built and that you nurtured um, can continue to bring people joy and maybe a little bit of inspiration and um, without getting sappy again I am profoundly profoundly grateful for the the love and the gifts that you give me just by just by being here and by being my friend so thank you thank you thank you 700 show number one none of this happens without you Uh, i truly love and appreciate you thank you everyone who is part of the call from the wwo nation tonight you don't know how much you being part of that additional extended community means to me and listening home in your car wherever you are we really are friends and i if you know me you know that this is true because when we do it 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 pays out but uh, we really are friends whether we have uh, met yet or not so thank you thank you thank you Um, i I love you so so very much and um thank you that's it that's all i got there you go and and you only like cried a couple of times that was pretty awesome let me tell you something these uh It's time for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World history, or see how well you can identify a sound, a song, or a quote from the parks. And if you think you know the answer, you can enter for a chance to win a Disney prize package. And this week's trivia contest is once again brought to you by you. And what I mean by that is as part of the WW Radio Nation, you just heard from members of the nation on this week's show, you literally help bring every episode of the show to life. We're at 700 episodes because of and thanks to you. All the live broadcasts, the contests, and giveaways. You can find out how you can help the show and be part of the nation for as little as a dollar per month and get exclusive rewards every month, like scavenger hunts, be part of our group video calls, access to our private Facebook group, shirts, stickers, monthly care packages, group calls and being on the show, and much more. You can also get early access to some of our events as well. Plus, I love being able to give back to you each and every month in appreciation for the love and the support and the friendship and the help that you give to me and the show. And don't forget that if you want to help the show and get rewards and help our WDW Radio Dream Team Project to benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America, you can visit www.radio.com support. I want to thank some of the new and longtime members of the Nation family, including David Dossie, Holly Bronson, Jen Bruno, and Kay Barre. I love and appreciate you. Again, none of this happens without your help and support. Now, before we get to this week's question, let's go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So last week, I asked you to tell me, what is the name of the fictional Gold Rush-era mining town that Big Thunder Mountain Railroad in Walt Disney World is set in? Thanks to all of you who entered got this one correct, and knew that the answer is Tumbleweed. And you can see evidence of the town's name a couple of places in the queue and on the attraction, including when you see 
the guy in the bathtub and Cumulus Isobar trying to keep his carriage above water. Now, Disneyland's Big Thunder Railroad is actually set in the mining town of Rainbow Ridge, although it does contain a hidden reference, not so hidden, reference to tumbleweed. If you look, there's a sign that identifies it as being Rainbow Ridge, but it's also located in the same region as Tumbleweed, Thunder Mesa, and Grizzly Gulch, all of which have their own references and significance. Anyway, I took all the correct entries, randomly selected one, and last week you were playing for a WW Radio mug, a brand new pin, and a mystery holiday-themed prize, and last week's winner, randomly selected, is Brett Ellis. So, Brett, congratulations. I will get a prize packet to out to you right away. If you played last week and didn't win, that's okay, because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. This week, I'm going to take you from the parks to the resorts, specifically the All-Star Resorts. I want you to tell me which of the three All-Star Resorts was the last one to open. They did not all open together. Which of the three All-Star Resorts was the last one to open? You have until Sunday, December 17th at 11.59 p.m. Eastern. All you need to do is go to www.radio.com, click on the podcast link, click on this week's podcast, use the form there. Again, you're going to play for a brand new mug, pin, and a mystery prize. So good luck and have fun. That is going to do it for show number 700. Again, I cannot thank you enough. Whether this is your first episode listening or your 700th, I appreciate you so very much. None of this happens without you. And I invite you to come be part of the community and conversation by becoming a member of the WW Radio Clubhouse on Facebook at www.radio.com slash clubhouse. You can also connect with me and chat with me on social. I am at Lou Mangiello on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And please also make sure you like the WW Radio page on Facebook at facebook.com slash WW Radio and turn on notifications, not only so you don't miss any of the posts, but so that you can get notified of our WW Radio live show every Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, where I'll either be out and about in the parks or live from the home studio. And if you have a question you'd like me to answer on the show, you can email me, lou at www.radio.com or be heard on the air by calling the voicemail at 407-900-9391. That's 407-900-WDW1. To find out how you can turn what you love into what you do or have me come speak to your business, event, conference, or school, please visit loumangelo.com. There you can find out how you can work with me one-on-one in our weekly mastermind group at my Momentum Weekend Workshop in Walt Disney World or my Momentum Retreats in Walt Disney World and maybe elsewhere. Stay tuned. And also find out about some of the different topics I can come to speak to your business or school about. Visit loumangelo.com. Be sure to visit the WW Radio website at www.radio.com for our blog articles from our incredible team of blog writers, our events page for upcoming events, cruises, meets of the month, and more, books, audios, and the entire podcast back catalog, including the easy-to-use podcast jukebox. And thanks, as always, to Becky Mankin and the entire team over at Mouse Fan Travel. Again, they are who I use. They are who I recommend because they are who I trust to give you an incredible level of personal service, all at no cost to you. Visit them over at mousefantravel.com. And finally, my friend, and you are my friend, whether we have met yet or not, all I ask is if you like the show, please help spread the word. 
How can you do that? Take a screenshot. If you're listening on your phone, share it on social and tag me at Lou Mangiello. I'll reshare it and I'll follow you. Rate and review the show in your favorite podcast app. And if you can, take just a couple of seconds to leave a rating over on Apple Podcasts. It is incredibly helpful and very, very much appreciated. I want to thank some recent reviewers like Sally, who says the show is entertaining, informative, and inspirational. I always learn something new, laugh, and occasionally tear up as I delightfully listen to Lou and his guests talk about a place that's so dear to our hearts. When Lou says you're my friends, whether we've met yet or not, sincerity is 100% believable because it's true, Sally. And finally, especially during this incredibly busy and hectic and stressful holiday season, now more than ever, choose the good. Be the positive light you want to see in this world. Be kind and patient and polite and courteous to other people. Simple things that sometimes are lost but mean so very much. Choose to find the good in situations and people even when it's difficult. I promise you, positivity is contagious and it starts with you. Thank you, thank you, thank you again from the bottom of my little, nerdy, excited, Disney-loving heart that it is for 700 episodes for incredible memories and a life that I never could have imagined. We may never have met yet, but it is thanks to you. And that does not go unnoticed and unappreciated. If there's ever anything that I can do for you to say thank you and to show my gratitude, please reach out and let me know. So until next time, I hope that this truly is your best week ever. See ya. Hi, Lou and the WDW Radio family. Um, I just wanted to call and say congratulations on episode 700. Um, As I'm sure many other people will say, this show and the community has had a huge effect on my life. And um, I think it's absolutely wonderful, and you're a wonderful person, and thank you for everything you do and for entertaining us weekly and otherwise, and um, congratulations again. This is Kate Wallace from New Jersey. Bye-bye. Hey, Mr. Lou. It's Tim from Mequon, Wisconsin. My friend, congratulations on show number 700. I've easily been listening to your show for well over a dozen years. You and I met for the very first time in 2014, and that was the first step in you helping me just make a difference in my life. And now I can call you friend, and it's all because of the radio show. So congratulations, 700 episodes. You have got to be proud. And believe me, my friend, we are proud of you. And here's to the next 700 episodes. Congratulations. Bye-bye. Hey there, Lou. It's, as I used to be known in the early days of WDW trivia, Disney 05. We're now just Jim Orhosky. Uh, I've been here since your very first show. It's really the only Disney podcast that I've consistently listened to all these years. Uh, and the community has grown from it. Uh, just uh, an amazing group of people, too. So congratulations on 700, my friend. We'll see you for the next 700. That's a lot, though, isn't it? Hi, Lou. This is Samantha Booth from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I just want to say a big congratulations on show 700. That's amazing. And I just want to thank you uh, for being who you are and for giving of yourself, for sharing your enthusiasm and your passion and your knowledge with all of us. 
You are a force for good, and you're bringing the Disney magic to so many. I also want to say thank you for my son. Um, he also loves your show. He and I like to listen together in the car when we're driving, and it just really brings joy into our week. Thanks, Lou. Congratulations. Lou, Drew Pike calling for the Pike family. Just to say a big old thank you for everything that you've been doing for all these years. Been listening for five of those, and we would never have the Disney experiences that we have now if it wasn't for you and the effort that you put into it. Thank you so much. Keep up doing a great job. Congratulations on 700. Talk to you soon. Bye. Hi, Lou. It's Laura from Rochester, New York. I sent you an email a while back and told you that I was catching up from episode one. Just wanted to tell you that I am caught up now. Now I have to figure out what else to do with my time other than binge on WDW radio. Um, looking forward to more podcasts. Hope to see you when I'm down there in February. Take care. Bye. Oh, Lou Mangiello and WDW Radio. This is Casey calling. I have listened to you for years. Congratulations on show number 700. You are a legend in the podcast community, a legend in the Disney community. And I think that word perfectly sums up what you do, community. I am thankful to call you a friend. I am thankful to call you a mentor. I am thankful to have enjoyed two momentums with you thus far and get to listen to your voice on a regular basis and Disney out and geek out with you. So congratulations on number 700. And uh, here's to many more, my friend. Hi, Lou, and hi, everyone in the WDW radio community. I just want to say congrats on episode 700. Um, I'm so excited to listen to it. I know, obviously, this will come after that. But I just wanted to say what a wonderful thing it has been to be a part of this community and to have finally joined um, the community over on your Patreon. It has been so amazing getting to connect with people on uh deeper level and you have meant so much to me and my family this past year so happy holidays i hope everyone has a wonderful season and congratulations on again on episode 700 hello lou this is Trent williams from knoxville tennessee just want to call and congratulate you on episode 700 and here's the 700 more i just want to let you know that i listen to your podcast every single day at work and i appreciate everything you've ever done have a good one hints to really make the most out of your vacation so for the first time of, of hopefully many becky i want to welcome you to the wdw radio show well thank you lou it's great to be here 
before we get started in the emails, like I said, I wanted to kind of introduce everybody to you and the company a little bit. So can you tell us a little bit about you and, and Mouse Fan Travel? Sure. Um, I have been actually a vacation planner or in the vacation planning business for almost, believe it or not, 10 long years to create some magic. Cool. Well, let's let's go ahead and let's start getting right into the emails. And I'm going to give you trial by fire with the first one, because to <laughs> me, there's nothing more important about Walt Disney World than food. So I'm going to hit you with a food <laughs> question first and we'll see how you do and see if you pass muster. Uh oh. The first uh, email comes from John Thomas Cloys in Georgia. He says, Lou, love the show. Keep up the good work. I wanted to ask you if you had any suggestions on good restaurants to go to at Disney besides Coral Reef, Rainforest Cafe, La Cellier, and Cinderella's Royal Table. All right, Becky, people have heard me ad nauseum talk about my restaurants. Of course, I'm probably going to interrupt you and chime in. Anyway, (laughs) tell me what some of your super agent references uh, <laughs> restaurants are that, that you really enjoy for families. That is so going to come back to bite me. I can just tell. <laughs> well, I can't get the mental <laughs> picture out of my mind of you with the big S on your chest, but nevertheless, <laughs> go ahead. Um, well, let's see. They specifically talk about the baby sister and the five-year-old sister. And of course, dining is a, is a really personal either thing. Either of those choices. And, so. and don't forget beaches and cream. Well, yes. <laughs> it's all about the food, Lou. It's all about the food. Forget the food. It's all about the And I'm not an ice cream guy, but you give me a No Way Jose and I'm good to go. That's what got me through the 2008 half marathon was on No Way Jose the day before. So, Becky, thank you again. Thank you, Lou. It's been a pleasure and I'm looking forward to being part of your community. Mm-hmm. 